Welcome to this podcast episode for the National Association of Directors of Christian Education. In this episode, we're learning from DCE Heidi Taylor, who serves at St. Andrew's Lutheran in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Heidi and I take a look at confirmation, and she is going to share a model that is very different from the way we might have had confirmation ourselves. I'm your host, Shelley Haynes, and I'm so excited to continue a conversation we have been having about confirmation, first in the quarterly, and now in this episode, which is the first in a series we will continue in the coming months. So, grab a cup of coffee and enjoy this episode. Hey, hey, this is Shelly Haynes, and we are blessed to be joined today by Heidi Kaler. And uh, Heidi is a DCE. Well, I'm going to let Heidi introduce herself, but she's a DCE and a longtime friend of mine. Um, She is serving in Cape Girardeau. And Heidi, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, not only about where you're serving, but also a little bit about your family and your experience um, as we get started. Yeah. Hi. It's so good to be here, Shelly. It's good to see your face and just to have this conversation. Um, I'm a mom of four by heart um, and a wife to a two-week, I think, new pastor. Oh, that's awesome. I've had a lot of fun, fun um, things going on. I've got a a junior, a freshman, so they're both in the same place finally, and then um, a sixth grader and a fourth grader. So this topic of confirmation and just ministry, I think early on in my life, I had all these plans and dreams and thought I knew what I wanted. But when my kids actually became this age and I actually had to be like, Ooh, is this going to work? There was a little trepidation. I'm glad to say it works, but I mean, it's very much now to my heart that it's not just a theory, but it's a practical thing that happens all the time in my house. And so so that the high school kids kind of feel more mentorship towards the younger kids. And that way when they hit freshman year, they're not like, Oh, freshies and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing how even in eighth grade, they'll welcome them in as a little sister. But if you bring them in in ninth grade, they're all of a sudden hitting them and beating them up. And you're just like, what? No change here. It's been a summer. That's the only difference here. Yeah, Yeah. right. It is. And so we tend to bring them in a little bit younger so that people actually we're practicing that discipleship thing before they leave our church. So even as parents, as little guys and as bigger guys and even bigger guys, they know how to disciple people um, below them so that when they leave, they can disciple friends and family and certainly their families as they go. So that's kind of the holistic approach um, in the process. So nothing overshadows each other at all works really well together mm-hmm. in that everyone is kind of studying the same thing. Everyone's having the same conversations who you're having them with might change over time. Yeah. You know, as an empty nester, you might now be having them with your adult children and their husbands. Yeah. Um, or you might be having them with nieces and nephews or friends versus just your immediate family. But the mm-hmm. goal is to kind of just keep everyone having conversations. I tend to let my high schoolers out. 10 15 is kind of when everyone gets out. So I let them out at 10 10. So they're already upstairs in the hallway. And I've told all of our adults, like, that is your time to connect with a kid. They're yeah. standing around a donut table. They're hanging out. Don't be afraid to walk up and how are you doing? What's going on? And so yeah. our adults have embraced that too. Um, there's nothing funnier than watching a 60, 70 year old walk up like he's in high school still and worried about his clothes. And if he's going to say the wrong thing, I'm like, yes. really, it's okay. But they've really launched into that too. And they've learned so much. They've had faith conversations in the hallway of our church, so many different places, just because that's a lifestyle that we kind of ask people to conform to when you come to St. Andrew. Um, We have a high expectation. We're more partners instead of consumers. 
So that is the key. I mean, I think I was just reading something the other day about style of worship. And I, I was kind of shaking my head because I don't think that we are asking the right question. The question is consumerism versus partnership. And in scripture, we're never called to be consumers of the gospel, but partners of it. And so practically speaking, I can imagine your upstairs hallway. I also think it probably is true. And I mean, I don't know this for sure. I haven't had the pleasure to be there, but I bet there's way more than just the five connections. Cause you know, Fuller Youth does say those five connections. I mean, the conversations those folks are having with the kids, they're, they're being blessed. And then the kids are being blessed in equal measure. Yes. And we are just unapologetic. Um, Our church isn't for everyone. And we're pretty clear in membership on that. Um, This is who we are. And if that is what you desire, that's what you're hoping for, then this is a place for you. If it's not, we are completely understanding. And here's four other churches that that (laughs) don't hold that. And it's okay. Not every church gets to be the same. And so we just decided seven years ago, we were not going to apologize for who we were. We, except for the fact that we do have a banner downstairs that apologizes for the last 20 years of ministry, that we have taken the right away from parents to proclaim the gospel to their kids and to be faith givers and teachers. And we are now handing it back. And so we're sorry. So we start every confirmation season off with an apology because we really owe them that to say, like, we weren't here 20 years ago. You didn't know any better and neither did we, but we flipped a page and now we have to say, sorry. And parents are blown away. They're like, Oh, oh, it's okay. It's not a big deal. I'm like, no, it is. It's a gigantic deal deal that we took that away from you and told you it was okay. Um, and so we just want you to be encouraged that it's not, and we're beside you. Um, we change our program every year because we are constantly growing. We're constantly changing and there aren't major changes, but there are tweaks because we're learning every year because we weren't raised like this. And so we don't really have all the answers, but every year God gives us a little bit more insight, a little bit more things that we can learn and grow in. And we're like, okay, so here's our changes for this year. We're growing. If you have anything that you see that we could improve in, tell us. Um, So then it becomes a partnership between them and us. And it it just feels more like we're a family versus kind of these people that come on Sunday and kind of leave and kind of talk about each other in the parking lot and kind of get angry or kind of do all those things. You know, I always say, if you have to eat across from someone and get to know them, it'll be hard to be angry with them. It'll Mm -hmm. be hard to be mean to them. And you will find more love and compassion than you ever thought possible. So that's kind of our philosophy here. You just family and be together. So we, there's so much yeah. power in that because I think you, you gain, um, a dynamic where you're holding the parents accountable and you're not apologetic for that. But at the same time, you're allowing yourselves to be held accountable to say it wasn't working the, the way we did it before. And <laughs> I don't know if that's like, I'm sure this was a purposeful move on your part, but like they always make the Lutheran jokes about, you know, we've always done it that way, but it sounds like you guys came to a, me- a meeting of the minds is be like, but it's not working. Right. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. And we had to get our leadership and our community and our parents on board. So far before we launched this confirmation program, we did a whole sermon series on vocation on Vocadio. Mm-hmm. And we just taught people like, it doesn't matter what you're doing, your job, whether you're a doctor or a lawyer or a wheat farmer or whatever it is, your job is to have a lens of Christ and yeah. how to give Christ to a world that's in darkness and doesn't know better. Yeah. So we started long before we made a shift in confirmation. We started having our people 
think about that differently. We started having those conversations about partnership instead of consumerism. Yeah. We talk about, you know, you go to Burger King because it's literally in our parking lot um, and you go there and one way, you know, being a consumer, you buy something and you get something. Being a partner means you jump over the Burger King counter and you start making burgers and you start doing that. And so we started those conversations probably a year before we actually launched a confirmation program. So people weren't surprised. Um, they weren't frustrated as much, but I'm not going to lie. I mean, we took hits. We lost people the first couple of years because parents wanted to drop off their kid and yeah. they didn't think it was their responsibility. Yeah. And we just we could have caved to that and it would have been very sad, but we held on and said, no, we're not going to be apologetic. We're not going to, we're just not, and we're just going to keep going and see what God does with it. And yeah. so um, we're in a far more stable place and we're just gaining momentum every year, I think. So. I love, I mean, I just, this is very exciting. And I think the, um, I think one of the, I had sent you some questions ahead of time, but yeah. Uh, one of the questions I had, I didn't even think to ask, but I'm going to ask it kind of now. Well, one of the things I said was one is what are the biggest challenges facing confirmation in your setting? Um, I wonder if that question even applies because I don't know. I mean, it seems like the biggest challenge was developing the culture. Yeah, absolutely. You think? I a hundred percent think um, that that was the bigger challenge. Cause you're right. If our joke is, if you can do something for a year, it's always been that way. And so <laughs> for us, it was two years. Yeah. If we could get through a cycle of parents um, who started in sixth grade and went to eighth grade with us or seventh grade at the end, um, if we could get through that cycle, then it has always been. And so we've overcome the biggest challenge, which is people now know um, with younger kids. And when they walk into these doors, um, because we did such a stir in the beginning and we live in a small community. Yeah. So you're not you are not surprised when you walk into St. Andrew and you know, you're going to have to teach your kids, you know, you're going to have to be equipped. No one walks in these doors that doesn't know that that's happening. So we kind of overcame our biggest challenge, which was just new things. Yeah. The other big challenge is who else is doing it? We got that question asked a million times for two years. Well, who else is doing this? We're like, well, we don't know. But since we've done it, there are churches across the nation here and there. Yeah. They don't look exactly like us, but they certainly have also then taken up this banner of our parents are going to be equipped to teach their their kids. Oh, um, yeah. And so there are some really, really neat things that we've toyed with because we're in the middle of America. Could we host something where churches yeah. to come and learn could, and those churches that are already doing it could come and just be strengthened and be encouraged mm -hmm. because it's sometimes a lonely battle. You know, there is curriculum, there isn't some big magic pill that you can just read a book for. You just have to go, all right, let's try it and see how it works and take yeah. our combined years and say, this might be okay. So, and a lot of prayer, of course, but. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> interesting because I, I mean, my mind's kind of going quickly in this, but I, you've mentioned a few books that have helped to shape your ministry, um, but yet you're not, so I. Like I'm a big orange person as well, yeah. um, but I struggle lately with um, uh, some of the direction that orange goes. Mm. It, like this, the idea, the concept is yeah. is of course there's no argument. Of course, it, it, it to the two entities combining is much more powerful than if they both worked yeah. alone, which was how we did it for so many generations recently. Um, but I wonder. Do, would you be, would it be a thing in your mind where you'd be interested in sort of developing a curriculum or mm -hmm. 
going to a best practices and like hosting this model of confirmation so that other places can see it. Is that, or is it like, no, we're already doing much. (laughs) No, no, no. Well, we did think orange or I'm sorry. We did best practices the year of COVID. Oh, yeah. So we did that and it was great. I mean, we had tons of churches, lots of conversation um, and then COVID hit. So who knows where it would have gone in the process. Um, So curriculum. Yeah. I don't know about all of that. I feel like we don't, um, we don't have anything that's our own. We have our own concepts and our own ideas and we've tossed it around a lot, but we use like the Bible project for our Bible. Yeah. Yeah, Which is awesome. um, We use like the Lutheran house of study. Um, We use those pieces because we don't want to have to create and reinvent the wheel. And then so much of it is just, I think it is so much of giving churches the ability, right, and authority to think beyond where they are and to know the risks and the consequences and to push through it. Yes. I think that if we were offering anything, it would be that um, because we don't do anything out of the ordinary. We just simply say, like, take the risk because it is well worth it. And I think now we have more to stand on than we did three or four years ago. And it's more of a conceptual change for you. It's not like you're using, um, I know some churches are like using the faith builders or um, the stepping stone uh, ministry, but you're not necessarily going away from the catechism at all. No, not at all. It's more the flipping the culture and flipping the dynamic of teaching the parents, which like you said, uh, churches could do that and then plug their confirmation program in with obviously the necessary tweaks because you're teaching parents and you know, they're going to be teaching their kids. Yes. And I think, I think if we were to offer anything as a church, as a staff, it would be, um, it would just be that encouragement. It would be walking beside and saying, Oh, I wouldn't do it that way. Uh, mm-hmm. We did. And we really got in trouble. So I might take this turn because we, in hindsight, after evaluation, if we would have done it that way, we would have seen better results, better change, yes. things happening. Mm-hmm. And so I think we'd be more consultants than we would um, curriculum deliverers, if you yeah. will. Yeah. Um, because again, we don't do anything different. We actually probably stay more true to form in the catechism than we ever have before, because yeah. that is the curriculum that we're doing um, with someone else. And then the conversation just is derived from that. Um, so yeah, I think that we've obviously offered that to other churches as well. And a few of them have taken us up and have started the model and done that from the um, the Phoenix trip, but we haven't done it widespread because boy, we're just coming out of COVID. And so- yeah. What a mess that was for so much to do. Exactly. Yeah. But we're finally in a, in a place that's just solid again, I think. So that's the good news about ministry, right? Yeah. I love that opportunity. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, this, I mean, this has been amazing. So my, um, my DCE brain goes right to, all right, Heidi, um, how can we get a little more of you in the NADCE community? Is there, um, I mean, I really appreciate you doing this. Obviously it's not like this isn't enough. I really am grateful for your time. Are there other, um, are there other spaces that you are available if people wanted to email you or is it not? Okay. That would be okay. No, 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 no. We've, I think as a, I think as a human now, I finally reached a place. One of my kids can drive. So that's, gosh, Um, you get your life back, right? Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I feel like seven years here, there's space there um, just for so long, there just wasn't those pieces. And so I had to kind of bring it in and figure out what do I need to do? Um, And my, my life mission, just like yours is whatever it takes to reach and lead people to Christ. And so 
the other things became kind of fringe stuff that I was like, you know what, would I love to, would that be exciting for me? Of course. But I'm really at the end of the day, want to stand before God and have him say, well done. And that meant that I had to take care of my family and I had to take care of my church and I had to take care of um, people in my community that just didn't know him. And so because my family is now less because my kids are older, um, just all of those things, then now there's just a whole new season that I'm exploring. Like, what does that mean then? How does that look? But certainly I'm always willing to kind of have conversations, to pass on information to people, because I I think that if more of us did this, we would see a revolution that we've never seen before. I agree. And and I will, I do want to push back on one thing you said. I have this weird feeling I believe for too long that the church is just dying and maybe it's just because I was in one setting for the longest of times and it was very evident people were not uh, living the life. But I think that we are a remnant and you know what God does in the remnant situation. (laughs) I agree with you. I think this and for all of you guys listening, I think this is an opportunity for you to take a look with your pastor and your team, whoever does this stuff and there are people you could talk to. There are resources you can look at. Um, there's a different way of doing this that might just transform your congregation to where the things we're worrying about, the 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 mile wide and the inch deep, we know in this culture that's not going to work. This, yeah. we need to deepen faith. And for kids and their parents and their grandparents and the guy off the street who, who loves Jesus, we have to get um, we have to get this thing turned around a little bit and the Lord is working Yes, if we're going to be willing to be a, a, around to do it. Right. And you guys are working on that right in the middle of the country. So like the spread right. could be everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and not every church has to do it our way. Right. I mean, you have to really evaluate your congregation yeah. and find what are small things that we can implement in that we can then maybe see where God's going to take that and grow that into something more. Um, and for me, it is a hundred percent imperative that your senior pastor is behind it and ready. So that takes two years for your senior pastor to be like, yes, they're the ones that stand in front. They're the ones that are going to take the hits and the blows. And they're the ones that truly should be that front runner. And I just think I'm always behind just kind of shoveling information, supporting, doing my job over here. But if your senior pastor isn't, you're going to divide a church. Yeah. And that just is obviously not the goal. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not helpful. And so, you know, you're like, oh, we can never make what you do. But the reality is there are small things that you can do, like we did along the way to kind of bring your people to a place that they feel responsible for teaching their kids and having faith conversations. Yeah. It's just as simple as that, you know, Um, instead of having a conversation about the TV show or about the soccer game, how did Christ and what did he do in my life today? Yes. Then you're making all the difference in the world. So, yeah, it's not as hard as it sounds. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's definitely a shift for sure, but something that, that we can work on. Um, I'm definitely, I wrote a lot of notes. I'm going to be applying, uh, applying this to the new church that I'm serving now. And exciting. it's very exciting. Yeah. Thank you so much, Heidi, for this time. And just for the eye opening. I mean, I really am excited. I have a, a little stirring just to see what God's going to do in churches all around um, the nation. I really appreciate you. Well, thank you. Thanks for inviting. And I'm humbled by just even sharing. It just seems like, oh, that's just what we do. So when you reached out and was like, let's have a conversation, I was like, oh my gosh, okay, what would I even say? And so um, it's just good to relive all those things too every year because it's, it really, we've come such a long way and God has done mighty things through that, like he does all of our ministry. Thank you for listening to this month's podcast sample. We hope you're encouraged by it. To hear the whole podcast, 
Members can log into the member area of our website at nadce.com. If you're not a member yet, we would ask you go to nadce.com and complete the membership application so that you can enjoy all the benefits of membership. Benefits include joining us at the Meeting Tent and Emmaus Table online community group, receiving our quarterly publication, and receiving a discount to our conference that happens every other year. We wish you God's blessings on your day.